Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Hey, welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. So, if you want a REIT that is a steady DPU compounder, which would it be? If you wanted to own maybe a slice of the digital world of tomorrow, you know, digital is everything. Which S REIT here would allow you to do that? Or maybe you're noticing you just don't head down to Orchard Road anymore because all your needs are being met by your Heartland Mall. Okay, but which S REIT that deals with Heartland Malls? is the REIT that is likely to dominate them all. We're going to find out with one of the most gifted communicators in the world when it comes to stocks, in my humble opinion. We are dipping into his annual 10 Best Singapore REITs to Buy Ultimate Guide 2023. You know I love a good book, and I think you should pick this up. It'll be available on his website this week. So, Willie, these are your 10 Singapore REITs that you pick for 2023. Am I right in assuming this? A very good morning to you, Michelle. Uh, yeah, good morning. And Singapore, Singapore Reads, uh, this is something which I update every year on my website. And the reason why I write this is because, you know, sometimes I have friends um, asking me when they just started out investing and they say, hey, really? Um, you know, I already started, I have my brokerage account, it's all open and I'm all ready to buy um, stocks. So what's good to buy? And sometimes, <laughs> you know, I get stunned by that question because I I can't just answer everything straight out of my head. So that yeah. also led me to this idea of just compounding what I feel. It's interesting for beginners especially to invest in Singapore REITs. I think it is a super useful learning guide. You know, I'm all about the text and I, I look at text <laughs> with an eagle eye and this is a great one because if you're new to the world of S-REITs, each one of the 10 best that you really have put together. Each one illustrates several principles of SREIT investing. So that's mm. how I'm going to approach this today. We're going to start off with the one Singapore REIT. What is the one Singapore REIT that we must all own, in your <laughs> humble opinion, Willie? <laughs> well, the one Singapore REIT um, everyone must own, or at least must know, is Capital Land <laughs> Integrated Commercial Trust. I mean, this... This is the first um, Singapore REIT which came out, you know, in the early 2000s. And they are the pioneer of um, Singapore REIT. So I would say that Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust is like the granddaddy. So they have been through, you know, many different transformations. They started off mm -hmm. as Capital, Capital Mall Trust and then they evolved and merged, you know, between Capital Mall Trust and Capital Mall's commercial and today you have Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, which is basically Asia's third largest REIT. And at a market cap of about $14 billion, they own right now uh, both retail offices, uh, retail and offices and integrated development. So it's a combination of both your shopping malls and your offices all in one place. Um, so this is um, Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust. And it's a, it's a read that I think at least for income investors like myself should at least know mm. because they basically own some of the most iconic um, shopping malls and offices. For example, they own, they started off with Tampanese Mall, Junction 8 and Unan Digital Life. And, you know, today mm. they own, you know, many iconic as assets, including Raffles City Singapore, Plaza Singapura and Bugis Junction. And I guess, the, you know, the reason why I like this CICT for short mm. is because... These assets are really easy to understand. 
And a lot of people actually know them. So if you take, you know, if you take the MRT to work from your place and all the way down to the CBD area, you would definitely come across uh, some of the properties which CICT own. And I think this is something which is great for starters. Number one, you know, it's easy to actually observe. Um, it's easy to actually do uh, your homework and analysis, you know, when it comes to reinvesting. Amazing. CICT grew from Tampanese Mall, Junction 8, Funan Digital Life Mall, just three properties um, to a portfolio that includes Bogus Junction, IMM, Raffles City, Singapore. So familiar, <laughs> I'm sure, with many listeners. Uh, ticker C38U, market cap 14.3 billion, gearing ratio 41%. I'm going to ask you a really basic question right sure. now. How do you value a REIT? You've got the 10 best to buy. How do you value a REIT if they give away a huge chunk of their profits mandatorily? Mm. So, there are a few ways to look at REITs. Number one is to actually look at their assets. So, like I mentioned, um, what you want is to be looking at the quality of their assets. Um, mm. These assets, you know, you have, it has to be fully, have, have to command some form of high occupancy rate. And you can actually look at, you know, when you walk down to the malls, for example, you can see whether um, the tenant, you know, which are the tenants which occupy these malls whether they are food traffic, especially right now after the pandemic, after the economy has sort of opened, you can see how, whether shopper traffic are coming back, look at some of the layouts of these tenants, right? How some of these landlords, for example, like CICD, how and where they actually get these tenants from, uh, do they actually have some form of very high branding? Because this allows the tenant to continuously pay rent, and that's what we want as investors. So it's one way to actually look, to, to value the Another way, way is also to look at whether this rental income can actually grow, Michelle, because if you see mm-hmm. uh, for some of these assets, what you want is for this REITs to be able to adjust and increase the rent over time, right? Um, and as the economy grows, uh, you're able to adjust the rent and increase the rent because the rent allows the landlord to pay out um, this rent as dividends. The more these dividends are being paid out, the more valuable uh, the asset of these properties, of this landlord, and also more valuable for some of these Singapore REITs. So one way which I will look of value this, uh, this REITs is to look at the asset, um, the underlying Excellent. asset. Excellent. Excellent advice there. <laughs> now, most people look at the results. So how has CICT done with its third quarter results? Are the retail assets doing well? Hmm. So it's, it's very interesting, Michelle. So retail assets have been doing fairly well. I mean, a lot of the shopper traffic has actually returned. Most of the shopper traffic has returned to the pre-COVID levels. But I want to actually point out what CICT has, which I think many people might have missed out, which is the um, hidden potential of CICT because other than retail assets, they also own um, commercial properties Office. or offices. Mm. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing which I saw on their latest yeah. results is that um, the current physical occupancy has understated what I call their true potential. Meaning that late last year, a lot of the office tenants have actually locked in their rent or their leases with CICT offices. But the thing is, the physical space has not been taken up yet because of renovation, because of some asset enhancement initiative. So what's interesting is that since last year, a lot of the rental has been understated. What this means is that, mm. is that because the tenants have yet to move in physically, they have yet to pay the rent. That's why some of the latest results have not really shown that true potential for CICT. But going forward, as more of these tenants start to take up the physical spaces, because after renovation, 
um, the companies have to move in. And at the same time, you know, the companies are also starting to call people back into the offices. That's where you start to see what I call a much higher rental adjustment. So there is a difference here between what is being physically op- occupied now and what has been actually committed going forward. So I think there's some um, interesting potential here um, for CICT, especially for their offices. Thank you for sharing what we won't see in the latest financial results and drawing a brilliant insight from that. Uh, these tenants not reflected in CICT's latest results. Now, you say one big concern is their gearing ratio at 41% for CICT. Why is that high in your eyes? Hmm. So the maximum gearing limit, which is meted out by MAS, is 50%. Most of the Singapore REITs here have put an internal gearing limit of 45% because all the, most of the managers, uh, what I call um, in Singaporean term, is called, they're already kiasi. Yeah, they're already scared <laughs> that you actually pass the limit. So a lot of them, they put at 45%. Now, um, sometimes as investors, you might be concerned when the gearing limit starts to hit above 40% because that's a very close that's a very close mark to their internal threshold. Because what this means is that if the gearing limit gets too high, some of these REITs might have to be forced to sell down some of their assets, sometimes very high-quality assets, in order to actually pay down their debt. So in this case, CICT, um, even though they are the granddaddy of Singapore REITs in Singapore, their gearing ratio is actually about 41%. So that's actually quite high in my opinion. But the interesting thing here, Michelle, is that Despite them having a 41% gearing ratio, they still actually command a very strong credit rating. So credit rating agencies are still able to actually rate CICT as one of the high-grade properties. And really the reason why is because despite the high gearing ratio, CICT commands very high-quality assets, as I've just mentioned. And um, based on management calculation, um, based on how much debt they have, assuming as, you know, the interest rates, if interest rates continue to go up, that could actually impact, uh, leave a very small impact of distribution impacted to their overall DPU or their over, overall distribution per unit. And the reason why is because even though they have very high gearing, the interest which CICT pays is, number one, not as high as compared to all the other Singapore REITs. And number two, they have managed to actually hedge out most of their interest rates. So hedging means they protect the amount of the, 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 the interest rate uh, which has been varied or which has to be paid on their debt. So they, what they do is they basically exchange the interest rate, the variable interest rate, they exchange it for what I call a fixed interest payment. So even if interest rates go up or if, or if interest rates go down, CICT still pays a fixed amount of interest every year. I'm speaking. If you've just joined us, welcome. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Great of you to tune in. I have with me a very special guest. He is the founder of the website Dividend Titan, Willie Kang. And you know, I love a good book, a great read. And I honestly think this 58-page annual report, I was riveted, riveted by it. (laughs) The 10... The 10 best uh, Singapore REITs to buy, the ultimate guide for 2023. It is current. It is like uh, reading the story of each and every REIT, and it's so accessible. Listen, Willie, I want a steady DPU compounder for life. <laughs> Tell me, which one could that be? Oh, uh, this, is, this is also one of my favorite and actually an iconic um, Singapore REIT, actually. In fact, it's, it's different because... 
um, it is in the healthcare sector. And not a lot of REITs in Singapore these days are in the healthcare sector. So this steady mm. DPU compounder for life is um, Parkway Light REIT. Um, it's a smaller, it's a smaller REIT compared to CICT. Um, it has a market cap of market cap of 2.4 billion dollars. But what I really like is um, half of their assets are in the Singapore hospitals. So they, right. they actually own properties and they lease out these properties, uh, these spaces to the three private iconic hospitals in Singapore. So they are your Glen Eagles Hospital, your Parkway East Hospital, and your Mount Elizabeth Hospital. So these hospitals are already fully listed out. And the thing about hospitals in Singapore, I mean, Singapore, you know, it's known, we are all well known for its first-class healthcare services. And according to research, the healthcare industry in Asia, it is actually slated that Singapore's healthcare market is expected to grow to about $50 billion by 2029. And the government is planning to actually spend about $36 billion by 2029. So um, it is a huge market and hospitals are really uh, good tenant payers because number one, you, you always have this good flow of patients coming in, not just in Singapore, but also around the region. I mean, Singapore is a healthcare hub at the end of the day. And, you know, it is also crucial to know that there's always um, good demand for specialized uh, healthcare, elderly care, you know, amidst all this rising cost. So you have um, many affluent patients coming in from neighboring countries to seek not just medical treatments, but also uh, aesthetic treatment as well. So hospitals are a really good business and this is something which I like as well. Um, but what's interesting is actually what I call this thing the rent mechanism. So this rent mechanism or the rent formula is actually packed to uh, Parkway Life Read and how they actually charge all these hospitals is a very simple formula of what I call a CPI plus 1%. That means as inflation goes up, Parkway Life Read has that legal uh, contract to increase the rent on these hospitals. So as we all know, with inflation creeping up, the rent would also go up for Parkway Library. And that's a good thing. And hospitals, mm. you know, they are very profitable businesses. You know, as they make more money, you know, they don't mind paying, you know, for this rent because they need the physical space. So this interesting rent agreement allows Parkway Life to increase their DPU. And, you know, since over the last 14 years, since they got listed, they have been increasing um, their distribution unit uh, year after year. And they have actually really strong performance since their IPO in 2007. And a large part of this performance is actually coming from the distributions which they have been paying out. And, you know, I have been a proud shareholder of Parkway Library. And <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy the dividends of the distributions coming from Parkway Library. Listen, I want Singapore REIT shares to keep going higher and higher. The sound of a consistent compounder is music to my ears. <laughs> uh, Parkway Life REIT owns three private hospitals in Singapore, you know, all excellent. But they also own 52 nursing homes in Japan. Is this a positive mm. for this REIT? Mm. So what I see for nursing homes in Japan is a lot of a diversification from the three hospitals. As an investor, as a REIT investor myself, um, I don't just look at the quality of the assets. I, what, what I like to do is to also make sure that the REITs which I own are also diversified in their own ways. So these nursing homes, one thing good for Parkway Life REIT is it not only allows this diversification benefit, but what's interesting also, it, this nursing home, these 52 Japan nursing homes are right smack in the middle of a tailwind in Japan of 
elderly care because if we see Japan, it, it does have an aging population. So there is this great demand for elderly care or for nursing homes. You know, you, you need to have specialized care facilities for the elderly in Japan. And this is where the nursing home comes in to fulfill that kind of demand. So Parkway Life Free has been in this business and they have recently acquired more nursing homes since last year. And one thing which is interesting about um, owning nursing homes is in, in Japan is the borrowing cost in Japan is cheap. So this makes Parkway Life read um, overall borrowing cost very low because if you think about it, they borrow in yen and then they buy all these assets. So they only need to pay uh, an overall low interest cost of less than 1% on some of these assets. And what's even more interesting, um, Michelle, when I look at Parkway Life read is that Hmm. Their overall revenue more than covers the interest cost which Parkway Life needs to pay by more than 20 times. And this, 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 this financial ratio alone sort of puts Parkway Life REIT um, ahead above the rest from all other Singapore REITs. Because this tells me that there's a lot of prudence, there's very strong financial management for Parkway Life REIT. The rise of Parkway Life REIT's core DPU, very impressive, an uninterrupted increase going from an annualized 6.32 cents in 2007 to 14.38 cents in 2022. So if you own this REIT since its IPO, you would have enjoyed a double bonus. Parkway Life's REIT unit price has more than tripled from $1.13 back in November 2007 to $4.06. Gotta love those numbers. What do you think the rising interest rates will mean for uh, Parkway Life REIT? I think rising interest rates are definitely a risk to Singapore REITs, but not all REITs are the same. I mean, not all mm. Singapore REITs are, are created equal. The weaker Singapore REITs might be impacted or affect, be affected by rising interest rates. And the reason why is because when I look at Singapore REITs, I want to not only be looking at the gearing ratio, but there's also other factors which I want to consider. There are three things which I look at. Number one is what I call the debt maturity schedule. Um, what this means is it tells me when the Singapore REIT, when, when a particular Singapore REIT has to actually pay back the debt. So oh. what I want to be looking at is uh, Singapore REITs to have a very well-leaded or spaced out maturity schedule, or at least you know, they don't need to worry about repaying this debt. So this is the number one thing which I want to look at. The second thing which I want to look at, Michelle, is uh, mm. I want to be looking at the interest cost, you know, the percentage of interest which they pay on their debt. So I want this Singapore REITs to be paying very low interest rate on their debt. So this is the second thing which I'm looking for. The third thing which I'm looking for is whether these interest rates are, are sorry, whether these Singapore REITs are able to hedge interest rates or what I call protect the downside. So this means um, which is what I mentioned earlier, is being able to switch out the floating interest rate or the variable interest rates for a fixed interest rate payment. So whether interest rate goes up or interest rate goes down, you know, they still pay the same amount of interest you know, um, year after year. So when I'm looking at um, a REIT like Parkway Life REIT, but it fulfills all three criteria. Of course, it has a very low gearing ratio, um, roughly about 32%. But at the same time, if you see it's a borrowing cost, Boring cost is only about 0.6% because a large part of their debt or their borrowings are denominated in yen and borrowing in yen is cheap. So this is actually a plus point for Parkway Life REIT. Um, also, they don't have a lot of debt to pay back to, to repay, not until at least the next uh, three to four years. So they are well protected. So even if interest rates or if the nasty 
Federal Reserve decides to increase interest rates, uh, continue to increase interest rates this year, um, top mm. line rate will not be that affected. And on top of that, um, management did say that they have already hatched most of their interest rates, meaning that they have already converted uh, most of their floating or variable interest rate for a fixed payment. So um, whether interest rates go up or if, let's say if they go down, Saudi life we still pays the same amount of interest rates. So um, when it comes to rising mm-hmm. interest rates, uh, these are the things which I look for. And I Very will useful. look into yeah. each of these uh, Singapore REITs. So I like to keep my word, and I promise listeners in the 9 o'clock hour that if they wanted to collect 6% dividends, even if the stock went nowhere, and I think that's pretty tongue-in-cheek because we're talking about properties that sit on industrial land that don't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> really, very quickly, in about 60 seconds, why has Maple Tree Industrial Trust shares, which has not performed terrifically recently, why does it make your list of 10 best Singapore REITs to buy? I think the number one thing which all Singapore um, investors, we investors at least, which we all want to look out for is actually safety more than profitability. And one thing which struck uh, with me for Maple Tree Industrial Trust is really what the CEO or the management has said. And that really caught my attention because a couple of months back when I was actually reading the announcement, its CEO actually made a very strong point is that, mm-hmm. you know, they said that for at least the next couple of months, there will be a very low likelihood for Maple Tree Industrial Trust to explore um, expanding their REIT. And that's what I like because um, these days, a lot of REITs, you know, they're trying to aggressively expand the business, buy more assets, but Maple Tree Industrial Trust is actually slowing down on the expansion because they think that it's actually expand, it's expensive to actually buy some of these assets. And that really caught my eye because I'm a conservative investor and what I want, you know, at least when in this rising REIT environment is not for the REIT to aggressively overextend themselves, but rather is really to actually maintain the core assets they have try to improve the assets which they have and try to keep the tenants, you know, to maintain a kind of profitability and not try to overgo. And that's what I really like about Maple Tree Industrial Trust, at least in this current environment. He's Willie King. I had lunch with him once. Uh, we were in a mall and Willie could tell me, you know, this part of the mall is owned by this particular REIT and that part of the mall is owned by a different REIT. Michelle, did you know that? I sat there in wonder. I love good books. As you know, I love great writing and I think you really need to pick this up. Dividend Titans, 50H page annual report, the 10 best Singapore REITs to buy. We've just dipped our toe into it. There's still so much there. Willie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. Always love coming on your show. Can't wait for lunch soon. (laughs) Willie Kang there. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.